Round one, fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry Gamers. Hello, 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 and welcome, boys and girls, to the 151st episode of the Hungry Gamers podcast. We are powered by 8bit.net and Audio Technica. I am your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan 8Bit. And on today's episode, we're going to be discussing our impressions on Rage 2 and Days Gone, the potential behind Sony and Microsoft working together, Red Dead Online finally leaving beta, and a lot more. But... I need to also bring in the two that are joining me this week. And the first man needs no introduction, so he isn't getting one. You can find him at Salim TD, Mr. Salim Abraham, and manning the third chair this week. He's an acclaimed author, host of the Putting In Work podcast, and a Chicago Bulls tragic. Find him at Jono himself, Mr. Jono Peck. How you doing this morning, boys? It's a pleasure. I was doing really good until you mentioned the Chicago Bulls uh, tra- tragic, tragicness. Tragedy. Still a little, <laughs> still a little, uh, little raw after sort of slipping in the draft, the draft this lottery, past week. Yeah, that was that was a huge disappointment, as it probably was for almost every fan of a bad team. It feels like the bad teams just will continue to be bad. But we ain't here yeah. to talk about basketball, are we, uh, Mister Raptors? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're all uh, we're all feeling various levels of raw emotion. I think after this past week of NBA goodness, you for the draft. Me for getting spanked by the uh, the Bucks in round mm. two and throwing away game one, uh, but yeah, that's it. Dream, I see you shirtless. You're looking good. You're looking uh, fresh cut. Looking refreshed. I'm fresh so, cut. I'm so lost with the NBA talk because I, I haven't been paying any attention at all to to this playoff series. So so you you're you're Raptors lost, Brendan. Is yeah. That, yeah. Oh, so we're in the, we're in the conference. Um, championships at the moment to see who comes out of the East. Right. So it's us okay. versus the Milwaukee Bucks. We were winning game one pretty convincingly most of the way and then just threw it away in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we lost that game. And then in the, the second game, we just got smacked from opening bell yeah. uh, right through to the end. So we're down uh, two spanking. zip in the game of you know potential seven-game series. So we're going home this week and see if we can get some, get some wins back, but it's not looking good. I see. And Jono's uh, the Bulls didn't make it. I take it. No, but we had a we had like the fourth best chance at hitting the number one draft pick, and we ended up with the seventh pick. So, you know, wow, yeah, that, right. they've been the fifth worst team over the past four or five seasons, and we've never drafted higher than seventh. So, yeah, uh, them's the maybe. Look, maybe you guys can start intentionally tanking. Well, that doesn't seem to help anymore because. <laughs> You know, they've changed the lottery odds and that's what happened the past year. You know, they finished with the fourth worst record and still ended up with the seventh pick. So Yeah, it was right. it was surprising. Like you we usually have a pretty good handle of who's going to be picking first overall because there is a whole lot of hullabaloo about potential rigging for, for specific markets to get that first, obviously <laughs> for ratings and what have you, and that's a whole uh, rabbit hole we're not gonna go down today, but you think LA, Chicago, and New York, three of the bigger market teams in the NBA, they were all in that sort of driver's seat for that first overall pick, and they all slipped all three of the teams. Oh, the Lakers jumped up to four, but the other two teams 
fell back. So uh, poor old Zion Williamson is going to uh, the Pelicans instead. Yeah. New Orleans seems like a nice place, but... It's a beautiful city. I don't know why they shit can it. Like, it's one of the best places in America, but that's that's another story for another day. But uh, yes, we're here, episode 151. We did have a, a little break. Uh, shout out to all the mothers uh, out there for Mother's Day this past week. Um, you know, hopefully mm. you showed them all the love and uh, respect and care for helping you through those various aspects of your life. But uh, I've got a quick question for you gents today. Yeah. And uh, with the Australian election now officially in the books, mm. I ask you this. Which video game character would make a great prime minister and why? Dream? Shirtless Wonder? What do you got for me? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going with a, like a, a real technical loophole here. I'm going to say Shane Warne from Brian Lara Cricket. <laughs> or Shane or Warne you Cricket. could say from Shane Warne Cricket 98, yeah. yeah. I think they were the same game, but just rebranded it. <laughs> yeah, is it? Okay. I want to see Warney in there. I think yeah. he'd make a, he's, he's a bit of a character. And uh, politics seems to be full of characters now. We've lost a couple with this election. Uh, we need to replenish our crazy. So let's get let's get Warney in there. That's pretty fair. Yeah, That's pretty fair. He wouldn't be the worst person in Canberra <laughs> to to be in that no. position. No, <laughs> no, no. I don't think he would. Um, yeah, it's a hard question though. I was like, I was trying to think of an actual video game character to put in there and I just couldn't come up with anyone that wasn't a villain so I thought yeah let's get let's get Warney let's give him a shot mm. see yeah. I, I I thought you might have gone maybe Duke Nukem like when he was the the president in what Duke Nukem forever and he had his little schoolgirl twin sex assistants and all that kind of stuff I thought you know what he's he's never a man to shy away from controversy so so the Duke mm. could uh you know move over here get his Australian citizenship somehow and become the PM but I'm gonna go uh, with with my my boy or my girl, depending on which uh, preference you want to go for in this this franchise, I'm gonna go Commander Shepard. Mm. Uh, mm. You know, he makes the hard he or she makes the hard decisions. Uh, can be apt uh, both in the ways of the Paragon and the Renegades. So uh, can rule with an iron fist or a uh, you know soft heart. Saves universes. You know, thwarts the Reaper threat and all that other stuff. So uh, I'm casting my vote for the uh, N7 party. In uh, future elections. That's solid. Mm. It's hard to pick against Shepard. But I, I went with Sully mm. from Uncharted because, you know, people always say they want a prime minister they could have a beer with. Whether or not that would actually be a good thing or not, I don't know. But I think that Sully was the man behind Drake's uh, adventures, the logistics man. And he was often not afraid to get his hands dirty as well. So someone like that, I reckon, could do a good job of leading the country. And he's, he just seems yeah. like a fun dude. He he could fit into that old uh, Bob Hawke archetype, really, yeah. couldn't he? Sort That's of what that, I'm thinking. That, that older PM that, as you said, doesn't mind an ale and rolling up the sleeves and everything else like that. But uh, yeah, so uh, we've got a new... Pri- oh, we've got the same Prime Minister <laughs> uh, now for a full term. So uh, ScoMo is back in the driver's seat. Uh, mm. We don't want to bore all our listeners too much with uh, political talk here, especially because... I am probably not informed enough to carry a decent conversation about all this, but uh, yeah. You can catch what it that is. on It Is What It Is mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. week. This week. Are you on the episode this week with him? No, or I who's... think it might be Logan Wilkinson. Who, hey! He is an American, man. but he's very informed on Australian politics for some reason. So, Yeah, he see. just seems to just research everything and anything. Like yeah. He has got valid 
sort of well thought out hot takes on most things in the world mm. and it's it's very impressive um but he is a fantastic guy. Logan is is a really good bloke. And uh, yeah, give that episode a listen when it yeah. drops this week. If he's not on this week, it will be in the next couple of weeks. So yeah. yeah. But get hyped. Yeah. Get hyped. All right. So let's uh, let's shift gears. Tell me about the things that you have been playing, gentlemen. I know uh, Jono and I, we share some similarities. So we can probably tag team a couple of these titles. But sure. maybe, maybe we'll go with the great unknown and ask uh, the shirtless wonder what he's been playing this week to start with. The uh, tell wonder. me the things, um, mate. I'm 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 pretty droll this week. Um, I I've been playing a lot more Harry Potter Wizards Unite. I know I I really trashed it. <laughs> um, I did I didn't really trash it, but I I did say that it, it kind of lacked all the charm that Pokemon Go has. I probably still stand by that. One of the interesting things I've unlocked though now at a later level is professions, which um, the game has skill trees. So there are three separate skill trees in there that you can unlock. Um, that just give you boosts against specific um, encounters in the game. So uh, that is that you can be a professor if you wanted to be. You could be a, a magi zoologist, Brendan. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Have have a stab at what that does. So you are a, an expert of magical creatures, is my guess. That's correct. You're the Newt Scamander of the Harry Potter world. If you go with a magi zoologist role, um, or you can be an aura which is like the Harry Potter police. Did you go did you go the police? No, I I I very much wanted to play out the fantasy of a dark wizard which the game just doesn't have any sort of options that let you do that. So I just thought I'll I'll roll roll around as a professor um which gives me boons against enchantments uh like magical books that float around and hassle people. Um, so I've been, I've been doing that on my bouts to and from, um, I've also been playing a ton of League of Legends, um, which is not particularly interesting or sexy to talk about at the moment, but it like, I just don't understand why this happens to me. I just have this itch to play some kind of MOBA. Like once a year, I'll spend maybe two months or a month solid just playing one like League. It's usually League. I'm going through that now. Um, it's a lot of fun. I don't know. It's just easy. You guys don't play MOBAs, do you? Like, I, I don't no. know you, Brendan, to have ever played like a League of Legends or a Dota. Uh, not not in any great amount of detail. Like, I think most of my LOL experience comes from playing with you. Yeah. So, you're outside still of when you and I list. have played together. I'd hope so. You're, you're like level six on my friends list. <laughs> mm. Mm. But uh, yeah, not not very adverse in the, in the MOBA uh, landscape, but... Uh, you know, as as uh, controversy sort of constantly courts right, we saw the uh, the walkouts uh, this past week or so. So is that maybe maybe the inkling of why you had to get back in? You wanted to show some support to these uh, these sort of uh, hard done by riot staff. Maybe you want to get behind them and do what you can. That's why I jumped on. Uh no, no, <laughs> I do not want to be. I I don't think I with riots history. I don't think I would ever really be in a position to support them. But when have you really known me to support anyone, Brendan? <laughs> Apart um, from yourself, very, that is very true. You are, um, you are. Yes, as you said, you wanted to be like a dark wizard. That is, I, yeah. I support you. Embody you, that. I'll support you and Jono. I'll support you, but watch yourself. <laughs> um, We're on thin ice. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, so look, that, that's all I've been playing this week. I'm, I'm actually excited to jump on next week and talk about A Plague Tale, though. Um, that's that's yes, me for yeah. the next seven days. 
it is getting some some hot press like i haven't played it yet but and and it wasn't really on my radar but just sort of seeing all the reviews and just the the, the sort of social media hot takes about it like i i need to get my hands on this yeah it's it seems i mean it's obviously got a real medieval feel to it which um f- feels a little bit exhausting to me at the moment just because of all the soulsborne games i've played in the last 3 months 4 months um not that this is that genre, but just that setting and that tone. Um, yeah. But either way, I'm, I'm very excited to play this game and I'll, I'll be mm. back in seven full days from now to to talk about that one in a bit more detail. But boys, by all means, talk me through Rage 2 and Days Gone. What's <laughs> what's what's the feeling out there? Where, where do we want to start, Jono? Uh, days Gone's a bit older, so maybe we can cover that one off first. Okay, sure. okay. So I've, all right. I've finished Days Gone. I've basically platinumed it i'm just waiting for them to fix a glitch in one of the quests that's stopping me from finishing some of the side stuff but i really liked it and it's certainly not a perfect game as pretty much everyone has said about it i think but it's far from trash um that some of the outlets have kind of described it as i think uh and and i that to some people if it's not an eight then they kind of just decide that it's not worth playing but this really is one of those 7.5s that if you like the type of game that it is, it's definitely worth playing. And especially if you aren't playing anything that, you know, scratches that itch for an open world zombie killing type thing because it's got all of those elements. It's got your, um, you know, fill out the map and tick off all the boxes. It's got a pro- uh, surprisingly good story. Like, I like the story. I like deacon saint john as the protagonist i think that his character design is quite interesting and his backstory is different than that that we've seen in a video game before so as much as there are a lot of the typical tropes for a zombie apocalypse i enjoyed it and i think that a lot of people are enjoying it too it looks like it's selling at least decently if not well and it's definitely worth your time if you like this type of game but as i said they have cut corners it's not a perfect game and if you don't expect that i think you'll have a decent time if not a good time <laughs> yeah like I'm, I'm with you like i haven't finished it yet i'm probably i'd say around 15 hours or so in so i'm i'm invested enough to care about what's going on mm. and have a good understanding of, of the, the oregon world that they've they've got here but yeah, it's, it's not perfect, but I'm enjoying it and it is scratching an itch. And, and now that I've finished Rage 2, I will go back to Days Gone and, and see what uh, Deacon sent John and co get up to as far as their, their sort of freaker antics and everything else and, and see see how the, that story plays out. Like, it, it is fun, the, the combat side of it, I think. Like, mm. the strategy is about trying to take down massive hordes of freakers. And, yeah. and there is a sense of adrenaline when you are on the toe like getting chased by like absolutely 20 30 50 however many of these things at once like that is really heart pumping and, and pretty invigorating when you survive that or mm. pull out a few things out of your you sort of uh bounty hunter tackle box and, and knock these things down so that's great some some of the, the the voice acting is a little bit campy here and there i don't know if that's um by design or just how it's sort of conveyed but i'm digging it and, and as you said Jono, like there needs to be an expectation set where any game that's not an eight and above isn't bad. Like they have their place. Like I'm, I'm not about a seven and a half. I'd probably say 
if we're going to score it out of 10, it's probably like a, a six and a half, mm-hmm. potentially to a seven, depending on where this thing goes. And, and you know, I think that's still worth the time. Um, yeah. And as you said, like the thing that's surprising me the most with this game is how well it's selling. Like through the through the um, the Eastern markets, like through Asia, it's it's one of the the best selling Sony exclusives in a long time. I think I saw the the um, the IGDA charts yesterday or the day before, and I think it's number one for the third week in a row, uh, mm. which is which is pretty impressive considering Rage Two's come out, Mortal Kombat's there, and a few other titles that are getting some positive press. So it's it's doing well, and no yeah. doubt we probably will see the inevitable uh, Days Gone Two uh, down the line. <laughs> Yeah, I think for a studio that's invested so much into building this world, it's, you know, and, and from some things that happen in the game, I think a sequel is fairly inevitable, especially if it sells enough. Um, but back on the Hordes thing, like that is something that probably could have been a bit more of a feature throughout the game. It's kind of end game content because it's so hard to take them out without the firepower that you get later on. I, I enjoyed kind of approaching them early and trying to, kind of game my way into beating a horde which gives you that extra bit of adrenaline whereas at the end i've put i've just uh uploaded a 8-bit kind of let's play slash review discussions for a bit more of my mm-hmm. thoughts on the game showing how to take down a massive horde of about 300 freaks so yeah when, it, when you get to that point you're feeling very confident and it does feel good to be able to just kind of pinpoint take them down strategically and, and know that you've got what it takes it's a, it's a cool feature and to have that many enemies on screen at once all kind of acting with that herd mentality is a kind of AI feature that I don't think I've experienced in that type of game before. Yeah, and it's well executed and like I haven't sort of had much success because as I said, I'm, I'm still sort of <clears throat> maybe a third of the way in the game because hmm. uh, what you said it's it's about 50 to 60 hours worth so far to uh, get where you but you did a lot yeah, of probably. exploration for chasing that plat so definitely yeah i think you're looking at at least 40 hours the story is way too long i think the first third of the game almost probably where you're up to could almost get cut out without losing too much but Mm. yeah i guess uh it it has its purpose to kind of set the tone but it it really starts getting a bit more interesting in the second and third parts of the game which i think is good because at the start the novelty is kind of just the game itself and then as that kind of wears off, the story kind of does pick up and, and get you pushed through to the end. Well, at least for well, me. That, anyway. That's good because there was a few lulls there where I'm like, man, I'm kind of done playing today. So I'd yeah. go and occupy my time with something else. So yeah, I'll, I'll keep pushing through. But uh, I guess we could sort of flip the script to a game that released this past week. And that was uh, Rage 2, obviously uh, published by Bethesda, uh, designed and, and sort of put together... Uh, in partnership with with id software as well as avalanche you're you're a lot less like i've finished yeah. the the main campaign and done all the the arcs and everything like that so maybe i'll, I'll get your initial impressions mm. from your sort of five or so hours in so far sure yeah so i have found the game a little disappointing so far just because it's not hitting all the cylinders that i i wish it was as far as the combat that's really fun and I enjoy every time that I'm shown a section full of bad guys to take down in a a variety of ways, but it's those things in between those sections that are a lot less fun, whether it's driving the car around the open world or exploring an area for a container that's impossible to find or talking to people in the community hubs there. 
the story isn't enough to to make me interested in that side of it and the i guess the environmental storytelling's not really there as far as the exploration so from that aspect it's kind of like i wish i could just get to the next action part of the game and mm. that makes me wonder if it would be better to be more of a, a linear story or experience but i am early and i'm sure that it will open up a lot differently as i get access <clears throat> to different vehicles and that kind of thing and more abilities and all of that so i'm reserving judgment at this point but i will say like it's uh it's it's story in itself isn't something that's getting me hooked in it's similar to the division which i'll talk about in a bit because the raids just come out but the division was a game that i enjoyed just because of the gameplay and I didn't really care about the story. And I'm getting to that point in uh, Rage 2 where I'm wondering whether I should be skipping some dialogue or not. You're pretty well bang on the money. Like, uh, the the game is certainly not known for its uh, its narrative, that's for sure. Like, <laughs> its, its strength lies in that combat, in that frenetic throwing abilities, using a whole host of, of weapons to disintegrate um, mutants and <clears throat> these sort of punk neon punk raiders and everything else that you come across but outside of the combat all i found when i'm not in combat is i want more combat because yeah driving around in a host of of mad mask-esque looking vehicles or even this little drone it's kind of crappy it is very bland and boring just going from uh point a to point b and whatever else happens in between so if they did maybe tighten it up just to be strictly strictly sort of an on-rail shooter, I think it would have been a lot better. Hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a sucker for narrative and you get most of the game's story probably in the first 20 minutes like with the whole <laughs> opening and and sort of the the, the evil, um, the authority uh, are inserted right off the jump as far as the, the main antagonist that you're going to be going against, like General Cross is the, is the leader. Um, and so he, he's the big bad that you're going to be facing. You do fight a whole host of, of mutants and various other marauders uh, during your game time but it's just mindless fun like mm. the way i describe it is take sort of some of the the horror and the enemy models from a quake and some of the weapon and gunplay from quake and that sort of id formula and chuck it into a borderlands sort of universe with a little bit of that same delivery and tone and that's what rage 2 is for me yeah. Um, I have a review coming out this week. I've I've just finished writing all the script for that last night, so cool. Cool. record all that. Uh, get some video done for that as well. So that'll give you a little bit more of a breakdown on it. But yeah, sadly, I think you hit the nail on the head as far as <laughs> describing your five hours. That's what's going to expand for the rest of your um for mm. your experience. Like some of the weapons and the abilities, when you get them all and you're starting to chain them together, is bonkers. Like. Yeah been able to destroy people and you know force throw them into things um doing massive big sort of leaps and then sort of seismic smashes into the ground sort of big force push like hadouken out of your hand like <laughs> there is a lot of ways you can go about uh destroying an enemy camp and once you get some of the right weaponry and the abilities like you just it's almost you have like god mode turned on like the mm. the final i'd say easy at least the final third of the game I didn't die once. Like, and I, there wasn't much strategy. I just run in there, know which weapons I liked, which abilities I liked, and I'd chain it all together and just run rough shot. Like, wasn't hunting for, for health packs very often because you're, you're picking up sort of um, incremental bits of health from enemies you're down. Uh, so the game almost lends itself to that Doom style where it's just push, mm. push, 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 push. Um, and for the most part, you're going to win. But um, it's good fun. It's probably 
around that seven-ish mark as well, um, on sure. the same same vein as Days Gone. But it's worth a look. Uh, I I love Bethesda games. I love id shooters. So um, yeah, I had a had a good time. But mm. I just wish they fleshed out the the universe a little mm. more and got me to buy in more into the story and care more about the characters because it's sort of just like, mm. eh, I'll go do this quest. Meh, I'll go yeah. do that quest. I'll blow up some stuff. How did you find like the length of it held up? Like, is it something where you are glad that you took as took as long as you did, or do you? Is it worth some kind of for some people maybe just streamlining the main quest and? Yeah, like like I finished it, the main quest probably in about fifteen ish, I reckon, mm-hmm. and that was with every arc as well. So for for those that that don't know, the arcs are where you go and sort of. Um, settle these areas that that bad guys have occupied and you get access to an arc which can up, upgrade your ranger suit and that'll either give you rare weapons or the abilities so it's in your best interest to hunt down these arcs because you're going to get more more sort of tactical advantages when you go into battle uh, so so i'd highly recommend trying to hunt as many of those down as you can before you get too engrossed in the story but really there's only sort of three sort of story arcs that you're dealing with you've got sort of john marshall lucem hagar and then antonin kavasa which is sort of your main three advisors and they send you off on these quests to get abilities to then break into the authority base and you know overthrow these bad guys so you do those sort of stories as you're running around and that's sort of it um Mm. but yeah there's no real narrative payoff it's meh is what it is just going for the mindless fun really yeah dream you're gonna pick up rage 2 god no (laughs) <laughs> no, this game, this game. Uh, well, I mean, after your glowing review, um, it's probably not a game that I'm going to pick up. It's not a game that appeals to me, um, you know, just naturally anyway. So no, I'll I'll dodge Rage Two. I'll definitely dodge uh, Days Gone as well. Not uh, again for any other reason other than these games just don't really have a, that much of an appeal for me. Um, yeah, Deacon Deacon St John though. That, that that name, that name I'll think about for years to come. It's just such a weird, cool name to say, but it's also I don't know something very nineties about it. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, he'd fit right in in the the reboot of nine hundred two one zero that's taking place at the <laughs> it, moment. It reminds me of I think it's Austin St John, who's the Red Ranger. I think that's his name. Oh, yeah. Austin's, didn't he, didn't no, he go to jail? Is he the one that went to jail for like nearly killing somebody? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Mm. Or is it it's Johnson Austin or something like this? Anyway, there's a saint in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, because the only other times you really hear of a, a name with sort of a saint in there is probably tied into some kind of porno. So, yeah, in this case, uh, Deacon St. John, the man running roughshod through Portland. <laughs> All right. So... Division two, Mr. Yeah. Peck. So the raid, oh, I guess it's not actually the raid, but we're calling it the raid, was released this week. And uh, I tried it last night and it's uh, pretty hard. <laughs> they recommend mm-hmm. going in with eight people and it was just me uh, and my friend Tom Marshall and Jared Trail. And we didn't get <laughs> past the first section. So if anyone out there is still playing the Division two, you've been grinding out to kind of get towards that 500 gear score. Uh, You're still going to need a lot of friends getting together to play this uh, raid. And 
the really kind of frustrating thing that hopefully gets patched is that there's no matchmaking. So you really do have to invite people from your clan or organize with friends outside of, you know, ahead of time to do this because it's just impossible. I I don't understand that decision to not just include random matchmaking. Uh, Maybe it's not something that has worked in in Destinies and and previous games that have got this type of uh, feature in there. But... Yeah, apparently it's a five-hour... Well, the first people to finish it, it took five hours. Um, so it's it's a bit of a commitment and hopefully I can find some kind of team to, to tackle it on the PS4. <laughs> well, at that time of recording, um, no one has completed the raid on console. It's mm. only been done on PC. Uh, and, and now uh, people are finishing the, the raid on PC in around an hour. Okay, but uh, apparently the issues on console lie from obviously the the sort of sluggish aiming and uh, movement as right. opposed to obviously keyboard and mouse. You can be a lot quicker as far as for aiming and sort of snapping around and general uh, character movement. So really? there's already there's already people saying uh, like the the community uh, within Ubisoft is saying they need to need to nerf the, yeah. the raid for console. Uh, whether it be extending moments of vulnerability for when the boss can be damaged, it's giving you more sort of downtime when when you need to sort of pick up your squad mates and things like that. So we'll see yeah. what happens. They've definitely they've definitely made it feel a bit different from the rest of the game. Not just the new area that you're fighting in. It's like a, a airport tarmac, kind of like in Civil War, but also well that's just the start where i've got because we only got to the first area but you've got these revive (laughs) kits instead of um being able to revive everyone you can only revive people twice when they've fully died so you have to really get to them to revive them while they're kind of just unconscious uh so you can kind of save those revive kits i guess it's an extra thing to think about and, and worry about i guess as you're playing so probably having those eight people is necessary from that point of view as well. Jono, just off the back of Brendan's comment about the aiming being Mm. um, part of the reason why people can't finish it on console, it seems like a really obscure reason not to be able to complete um, any kind of content because it feels like um, obviously people have preferences, but uh, typically console players are very good at using um just the console controller to to play any kind of fps so is it do you think is there um just like more people playing on pc than there is in the consoles like, is that yeah. is that anyone's it, understanding i, I don't know it's if possible you can pull that I, up, I, have, I have heard about the difficulty to turn around thing being the reason that this was harder so maybe it's an area where there's kind of bad guys coming at you from all directions where right. that becomes especially uh, effective tactic i'm not sure so um we'll, we'll see, see. I, I haven't had any problems with the with the aiming and stuff on on ps4 so yeah it must it's, be that maneuvering yeah it's odd. you're right it is odd that there isn't like a pug um functioning there to match people together um mm. in this in this day and age like it seems like almost a standard yeah because mm. um, it's in the rest of the game it's just not in the raid for some reason right okay yeah mm. maybe it will get patched in it's strange too because like sort of reading more into this as you guys were talking one of the other issues is highlighted is that it seems designed for just straight dps builds as opposed to um you know someone 
coming in as a healer or as the tank. It's more so about just do as much damage as you can in the quickest <laughs> amount of time. So it sort of takes away some of the um, mm. that element as well, which is yeah. which is interesting. Yeah, but there's a perk we'll called like damage to elites, and I think that's something that's particularly effective at, at this point in the game, where you want to be able to do as much damage as you can to the hardest enemies. Yeah, just melt, melt, melt. Yeah. Anyway. Stay tuned. But we'll see. More. Yeah. Hopefully uh, next week we'll get an update that you guys have finished it. Um, one of the world first on PlayStation 4 and you can tell us all about it. Hopefully. Mm. So I guess one thing we could bring up really quick before we sort of start shifting into the news. Um, Detective Pikachu. Mm. The game that has become the film which has released within the last fortnight. Uh, I have seen it once. Jono is yet to see it due to reasons potentially on this podcast now. And Dream, you said you've watched it twice now? Yeah. Yeah. What you do you reckon? Have, you must have loved it. <laughs> uh, I uh, I hate this film so much. <laughs> I, I I don't know. You know what? I was... I was um, I've seen it twice. I promised that I would see it with my sister and then just could not wait. So decided to go and see it beforehand. Didn't like it the first time around, but didn't want to ruin the experience for my sister. Did, on the other hand, ruin it for Jono uh, by yes, spoiling the film in a group chat, not knowing that Jono hadn't seen it. I didn't even ask. Has you really did. You just it? came just, in and just yeah. fired off shots. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, Publicly, I would like to apologize to you, Jono. I actually don't feel... I feel awful for spoiling mm-hmm. a film for you, my my dear friend. Um, I don't feel that awful being that it's Detective Pikachu and not like, I don't know, Endgame yeah. or something. Um, I'm not losing sleep about it, but it has diminished my enthusiasm to go and see it. I was planning to see it this weekend. <laughs> I might still, you know, but... I, I think it's still worth a watch. Yeah. I, I def- it's, it hasn't taken me from i'm going to see this to i'm not going to see this but i may have already seen it this weekend if i hadn't known that just subconsciously yeah. it's it's possible that that's affected my motivation <laughs> you I'm could so, go watch I john wick sorry. 3 instead yes you could you could um <laughs> my like my it's it's a fine kids film and certainly um take your kids to see it um there's a couple of things in there it's weird where it sort of leans two ways it like skews towards um like just appeasing fans of the franchise from 20 years ago um there's a lot of deep cuts in there like there's a lot of things in there um that longtime fans would appreciate and a lot of references to the you know to the tv series and the games um I like I I actually as an adult like more and more that I think about Pokemon I actually just think about how bizarre this world is that they've set up and sold for 20 years cuz it's effectively like uh it's just subjugating animals and putting them into cockfights like that's kind of in a nutshell what Pokemon is <laughs> yeah. and that they've managed to like get by for 20 years and they've had Peter crap and all that stuff but like they've actually made it work they've made a good goal of it and i love it but do you, th- do you think they survive on the back of the fact that the pokemon for the most part are pretty adorable and they I are think that's sort a of, big part of it i yeah, think that's got to be a big sort of part cartoony of style there's something else also about the crack um the crack like way that it, it just feels so good to collect things and collecting mm. pokemon and then you befriend them 
and so you create this bond with them. It just it all works. I don't know. It's a perfect. It's a perfect franchise. Well, you, you short think of about it like, issues. like like you look at Those it like everyone loves so. everyone loves pets, but hmm. a lot of them don't want to have to deal with them twenty four seven. But in this aspect. You catch them, you can play with them, you get bored yeah. of them, you just chuck it in a Pokeball and put it in your pocket. Like you just deal with it when you want. Like you're getting yeah. cuddles on demand. Yeah. I, I, I think they've s- kind of addressed this issue somewhat in the law where, you know, you're my best friend is is isn't that one of the lyrics in, in the song? But also <laughs> um, that forgives it. <laughs> yeah. No, but also like you have characters that do treat their Pokemon like friends and and pets, and then you've got some trainers like the bad guys who are kind of like draconian and you know they kind of mistreat their pokemon and they're the bad guys just like in real life where you have we have a lot of uses for animals whether it's police dogs or just as uh, companions and this kind of thing but then there are people who mistreat their animals and they're the bad guys you know so it's mm. it's kind of weighed up in the it does go it goes further. It goes like way further in exploring those ideas in the core games. Like there's a game, there's black and white, Pokemon black and white, where the antagonist and um, wants to completely destroy the Pokemon trainer bond because it, it, it is subjugating Pokemon to people's will. And um, yet he's he's cast well. as the bad guy, and he's the bad guy, <laughs> and like and that's that's why I think that's so interesting that they even like go there. But um, in the, in the film, I just thought it was interesting because Rhyme City, the the main setting of this Pokemon Detective Pikachu, is a, is a city where Pokemon aren't kept in Pokeballs. They're just sort of um, it's meant to be a city where people and Pokemon can just live in harmony together, and it's a fun city. It's it's fun to watch this this mm. world, but it. The people also have partner Pokemon. Everyone's got a partner Pokemon and there's still this bond there. So it felt odd to me that they're like, there's no Pokemon trainers in this world. And they kind of go out of their way to say, we've moved past that now. We're no, we're no longer yeah. about Pokemon trainers because that's old hat. That's that's not necessarily right. And we found a better way, but they, mm-hmm. they do still kind of have this archaic. But it was just weird. I thought it was weird the way they set that up so anyway yeah it was very much uh, a person and their singular pokemon like that's yeah. that's no spoilers it was pretty much just like a one-to-one a relationship monogamous- there and that was it yeah, yeah. a very <clears throat> monogamous pokemon relationship <laughs> mm. um it, yeah it's a it's a it's an okay film it's boring i don't like the way it treats some some of like the main characters um particularly and it's not a spoiler to say mewtwo's in this isn't it okay it's not no just keeps spoiling stuff for me he's in all the trailers or most of the trailers yeah okay it's in the trailer um yeah i just uh, i don't know as an old fan i I wanted more um i would have loved to see more but i think it's a decent film it's okay i i liked it like i get some of the things you're saying but like did you ever play the detective pikachu game no because because a lot of this is taken bits of it and and i've read a bit about it too uh, a lot of it is taken from from that story so it is sort of true to that game but yet yeah, then also then it's, blurs the lines of other entries into the franchise it's not well. a story that i have a problem with per se like it's just there's a it's just not it's just not fun it's actually not a fun film to watch there's a couple of like Some decent parts. moments but not not really not really 
I like I would I would very much argue that this could be so much more enjoyable. It's 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 the ultimate. The film is the trailer. If you saw the trailer, you've seen every set piece, and that's about as exciting as the film really kind of gets. Is those moments that everyone's already seen for the months leading up to the film. I think we can chalk this up as a hot take for you, Salim, because I haven't heard any negativity about it at all from most people online. So there you go. Which is weird. Like I, I listened in the first sitting, there were people trashing the film on the way out of the cinema. Like not me, but other people, but also me. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think fine. it just depends on what you're looking for really too. Like, yeah, sure. If you just want to see Pokemon realized, you know, in, in real life, then I think it does a, a pretty decent job of that. But as far as having any real depth, outside of some of these set pieces and a few of the relationships that get touched on but never really explored i think it does well and they're they're setting up this universe obviously they're already talking about there's uh scripts getting written potentially for detective pikachu 2 so uh you know that's on its way so they, they might explore some of these themes and whatnot in future detail but like it's great there was some some plot holes there that annoyed me but obviously it wasn't going to be a film known for its perfect story writing and storytelling, I think. so. But check it out. Like I, I wouldn't regret going watching it again or I don't regret going to the cinemas and paying money. Like I had fun. I, I regretted going again. I would definitely recommend it to like families. Like if you want to take your kids to see this, absolutely go and do it. If you're an old fan of the franchise, sure, go and see it. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't dissuade people from watching it. I just... Yeah, I've said my bit. I'm more so excited for John Wick 3. You won't see it a third time then, Salim? Uh, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. The, the, world, <laughs> the world's a crazy place, Jono. Yeah. It's been a while. I didn't even see Endgame twice in the cinemas, you know? like <laughs> What was the last thing? Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was the last thing I saw twice in the cinemas. I uh I picked up a copy of that on 4K Blu-ray and my goodness it is good to watch it. Oh, home. you lucky. Yeah. It is good. a feast for the senses. It's worth it. Yeah. It's definitely worth. It. I should do that. I love that film so much. Mm. But anyway, very very underrated. Very underrated. Obviously sequel coming to that too soon, but uh yeah, not a bad thing. So that's our hot takes on Pikachu <laughs> and Days Gone and Rage 2 and the Division 2 raid. Shall I move into some news? Actually, no. We'll move in some housekeeping first because Ooh. I'm an idiot. Uh, first things first, wanted to say a big shout out and congratulations to the team at Pixel Sift, the uh, Western Australian based uh, video game media outlet that have uh, won the best gaming podcast of the 2019 Australian Podcasting Awards just last night that Salim the Dream Abraham attended. Woo! Do you want to give us any, any additional info or thoughts on the event? uh from your experience it was very weird it was a very weird um interesting event to go to because it was a very industry um like heavy event which is different though to like when we go to things like e3 or to any of the other cons um it's it's all gaming and there's a, there's a different feel to it this was very much very formal very black tie um 
affair. And there was, there was people, you know, from uh, what I didn't realize was ABC and SBS have a lot of podcasts. <laughs> they have a ton of fucking podcasts and they were nominated in almost every category and won in almost every category. It was phenomenal. I never, I just didn't understand. Did you wear a tie, Salim? I didn't wear a tie. I wore a, I, I wore a peach button up shirt. Um, with black jeans and uh, some black suede boots. Um, mm. uh, my date for the evening, uh, Mr. Christopher Burns, um, good good friend to the podcast that neither Brendan nor Jono know or have ever met. <laughs> um, he suited up entirely. He wore a full suit. Good on him. And I felt bad. Like I felt like I needed to do that. But anyway, Did um, Pixel it was good. And- attend. Sorry. WA? Were Pixel Sift there? There, yes, uh, Gianni was there to accept the award. Um, congratulations to mm. Pixel Sift for getting shout it. Um, also, a shout out to Jason Ims from Game Hugs mm. Podcast. Though Jason wasn't there to um, to to make it, he was another one of the finalists along with us, the Hungry Gamers there, um, and three other podcasts that uh, I'm not I'm lesser familiar with. Um, it was a great night. Yeah, it was a good night. It's good. A lot of jokes. It was a well put on affair. A lot of categories. Eighteen categories. Yeah, it sounds like it would be a, it would be a weird cross section of of humans there. Like just yeah. you guys being the game games people, and then probably true crime and like everything else. The the games people were like the least focus of yeah. anyone there, and it it's the sort of room where the only people in the room are people who have been nominated there's very few podcasting fans turning out for the Australian Podcast <laughs> Awards 2019 i i reckon that's to do with the cost of the damn tickets mm. like, like yeah. they were charging i think 50 to 60 bucks a, a pop for general admission tickets for people that weren't nominated and the people that were nominated they gave you a discounted rate of like $30 a ticket so you've got to pay to get in to potentially get your award like it's it could have been handled better and obviously they've got costs they need to cover but what well, yeah know, it's a bit on the nose for me you know <laughs> what though it's it's an industry night it's not really like i it's it's weird because for us this is a hobby right this is a hobby that we're very passionate about but there are many people in that room who that's their job that's mm. their day-to-day that's what they do for work um again i like abc and sbs shows where it's just full yep. on producers and stuff you know we're, we're as professional as you know us getting up every sunday morning mostly in our underwear uh, yeah shirts are optional games. shirts yeah. are optional <laughs> and look frankly i don't want to change that rule if shirts mm. become mandatory i'm out you know? <laughs> i don't want to sell out you're on thin <laughs> ice shirt, shirtless Salim. thin yeah. ice it was a lovely night. Congratulations again to Pixel Sift. Yeah. The other part of that worth considering is that the ABC guys are probably creating these audio shows for the radio and then like maybe double doubling up and repurposing them as podcasts. That's oh, just yeah. a guess. I don't listen to them, so I wouldn't know, but it's possible that, you know, that that does have commercial backing and, you know, all that re- resource and research and everything that they need to put together a great show. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, majority majority of the nominees were from that sphere where they are maybe recording in in permanent fixed ABC or radio based studios and everything else like that. So, uh, 
Yeah, they certainly don't have no hungry HQs, that's for sure. <laughs> no. But you know what as well? I would encourage anyone who is interested to go and check out the winners of, of all the categories. There's a ton of, I mean, six um, nominees in every category, 18 categories. 108 um, podcasts. Sorry? 108 podcasts. 108 podcasts. Look at that quick math. Um, so there's Jeez. there's a ton of podcasts there and they're all Australian made and Australian produced. So that's that's nice. That's 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 pretty cool. Um, go and check it out. 100%. 100%. And when you're done checking out the uh, nominees and winners from the OzPod Awards, head on over to patreon.com forward slash we are 8-bit and dip into your pocket. See if you can throw us uh, some, some spare change from as little as a dollar a month. You're going to get access to exclusive content such as the 8-bit cast. Uh, episode number six is now available to all. And it uh, starred Jack and Jono and they mm-hmm. tackled over 40 questions from womenshealthmag.com Yes. With various results. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Good good episode. Good listen. Yeah. Um you you and Jack were on fire. It was good fun. Yeah. It uh, wasn't so quite forty, because it- I think we skipped half of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh but yeah, that episode is available for public consumption on all podcast hosting platforms as well as sort of Spotify. So be sure to check that out. And uh, if you want to get an early access to episode seven, which is uh helmed by our man Jono here, as well as Dane and Drew. Uh, that is available, as I said, for that low, low price of $1 per month. But if you want to throw a little bit more behind us, you'll get access to more exclusive perks. You'll get uh, merch, sort of swag in the form of pins and stickers, access to exclusive giveaways, as well as the ability to get immortalized in the 8-bit family portrait, which uh, the first wave of that comes up within the next week. So get Ooh. excited to see various members of the 8-bit collective, as well as various Patreon members immortalized as their favorite video game characters so uh get hyped for that yeah, but uh i'm be sure to rate review subscribe all the podcasts in the hashtag 8 collective on your podcast platform of choice because it helps keep those emotional lights on in our hearts but let's get into some news this week's news headlines the first one the big one sony and microsoft partner for cloud and ai innovations and this comes via way of Rebecca Valentine at gamesindustry.biz. Uh, forewarning, it is a bit of a long read here, so uh, stay with me. Today, Microsoft and Sony announced that they are forming a strategic partnership with one another, collaborating on cloud services and AI technology. The two companies will work together on a number of technologies and solutions largely focused around Microsoft's Azure cloud services. This will include looking into ways Azure can be used with Sony's existing streaming services, both for games and other content. The pair will also look at improving AI technology for customers, working together on intelligent image sensor technology and incorporating the work Microsoft has already done with Azure on both AI and cloud, as well as Sony's understanding of image sensors and semiconductors. Though not mentioned in the partnership announcement, this collaboration seems at least in part to be a response to Google's announcement earlier this year of its new game streaming service, Stadia, which uses cloud-based technology to stream games across mobile, TV, tablet, and desktop PC. Microsoft has been very vocal about its interest in cloud infrastructure development for some time through its initiatives such as Project xCloud, and there have been rumors of the company announcing a streaming-only console in the near future. Meanwhile, Sony has its own cloud streaming services in PlayStation Now, but its plans for the next console generation, as announced so far, have been noticeably low on anything cloud-related. 
it's a position that, if held, would keep Sony's next console as the only traditional new console release of the big three. End article. End article. What is reckon of this? Well, Kessley. Uh, it's <laughs> uh, a bit to chew on there. There's, it's, um, hmm, that's what I think of it. Uh, the, the, <laughs> it's interesting, but it's not surprising because this is the direction that gaming is going, has been going towards for a while, which is that um, ultimately the hardware requirements need to be simplified uh, and you're going to rely on cloud computing to, to, to really have all the power so that you can just stream anywhere. It makes video games much more accessible to people if you can stream a fantastic, you know, I don't know, 4K, whatever teraflop game to your phone, um, then if you actually needed to, to spend $800 on a setup for a classic console or however much for a PC. So that's, that's the idea behind this in part. Um, to see Sony and Microsoft get together on it, eh, it makes, I don't know, it doesn't, it's, it's weird, but it doesn't really sound weird to me because they're still exploring this technology to, together. And it, it, as I think the back end of that article points out, they're still a long way off. Um, it's highly unlikely that PlayStation's next console is going to feature any sort of cloud computing components. Um, Xbox as well aren't really set up just yet for it either. Um, it's, it's cool, but it's a long, long way away. Hmm. I, I don't think it's as, as long as we think. I, I feel in my waters that Microsoft at E3 this year is going to have a big push and focus on cloud. But you can't do that here right now in Australia because the infrastructure is not set up to support you know, oh, yeah. high-speed internet connections. We're sitting, what, 64th now in the world? Um, probably at best. That's and, probably generous. And you're looking not just at... Um, us but you're looking at every other market in the world like where where can you implement this and how long would you go for like a um a two option solution where it's like you've got just a classic console and then you've got this that you make available to as many people as you can what problem like i who knows what problems and challenges come out of that um if you do decide to to have you know a, multiple products that you're pushing out internationally um i think i think it's 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 a while i do think it's a while for for some markets yeah but like you look at stadia like it's it's releasing i think october november this year and obviously it's not across every market predominantly through north america uh through canada parts of the uk and then a smattering of of places in europe that can handle the infrastructure and i think we'll see something similar with this this future xbox coming out I, I reckon within the next 18 months we'll see this thing out i think sometime in 2020 we'll see this this next uh wave of console and there will be a big focus on on cloud uh, because i think microsoft are going to come out and, and f emphasize that in a big way at e3 uh next month uh because yeah they have been working on these technologies for a while and project x cloud is something that's been sort of in in the the, the media for for quite some time and i think it's it's a key path to market that they want to try and nail and nail it sort of early in this piece but yeah the sony microsoft thing's interesting because obviously sony has always been quick to 
sort of distance themselves from potential collabs and talking about their their sort of user base integrity and don't want to have it, vulnerabilities like things like street like doing cross plat via the Xbox uh, Live service, for instance, is the biggest sticking point. But it's it's exciting for the future. But Jono, what do you reckon on this? Where, mm. where where's your stance? I think uh, <clears throat> I think the technology is sufficient enough in the North Americas for this to be a big thing and that's that's where the vast majority of PlayStations and especially Xboxes are sold so as far as whether it's a, a smart move I think that it, they have to do this and I think that them partnering up together symbolically that's the most significant thing to me that first of all that they're willing to work together that's massive because I don't remember this happening before mm. and secondly mm. It tells me that they're concerned about what Google's going to be able to do and the effect that that will have on their sales of, of consoles in the future. So I think with Google doing it, you know, you kind of just have to keep up. And even if if Google launches the Stradia and it's a flop, then they can maybe back off their investment and not be so concerned about keeping up. But if it's a huge success, they've at least put the groundwork in to match it or to keep up. I think from me not being like a super insightful industry insider, that's my layman's take on, on what they're aiming for here. And I don't think that they are that concerned about Australia as a small part of that pie and other parts of the world that are even smaller parts of said pie. Yeah, so you're you're thinking from a from a perspective that they just want to stay in the, in relevance in this this race mm. to race to cloud and, and race to you know streaming services and and it makes a lot of sense because because google obviously have the the global infrastructure as well as the financial backing to throw a hefty amount of money in r&d into making this thing sing and and outperform all these potential expectations uh so so i understand why they don't want to potentially lose any footing in this race to race to cloud but yeah the, the biggest thing i think is seeing them sort of have this have this agreement in place like they've We've got all the NDAs signed and apparently they've signed a few sort of um, letter of understanding as, as far as where they want to go with this and, and how they're both going to sort of uh, incorporate their technologies and visions into this potential pie. But yeah, I, I think we don't have to wait too long to see more of this. Like, as I said, E3, I'd put some good money on it that there's going to be a big cloud emphasis there from from a Microsoft, uh, Microsoft's perspective. Mm. Sony, I don't know because they don't have an official presser, but they've got a Sony event offside as they do every year. So maybe there'll be a little bit of a splash there, but mm. we won't have to wait too long to get a little bit more uh, of an in-depth take on this. But it's it's cool to see the two traditional sort of warring cousins, you know, yeah. breaking bread at the table at least, which is something we haven't seen in, in our lifetimes at mm. least. And we <clears> saw <throat> on stage last year, the, the three studios coming out together. With back with Reggie when he was still there mm-hmm. and uh, I think that whether or not that was just a kind of symbolic thing or, or not I think that this to me shows that they're willing to work together obviously Nintendo and Microsoft have been working together and maybe this is the start of just that openness to to being kind of partners in this industry together even though they are competitors it's it's I think it's exciting and it's a good sign at the very least that they're, you know, not cutthroat. That's not the console wars that we've seen in the past. And even in their marketing, I think they've had less of that kind of, you know, take down snidey 
Nintendo, like Sega does what Nintendo don't, that kind of vibes, like that kind of competitiveness hasn't really been part of the marketing for the past generation. Mm. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'm in, I'm in agreement with that. I, I think you, you put that pretty eloquently there. Dream, what do you reckon? What are the battlegrounds? So it's like cross, cross-platform um, exclusivity and then that's kind of it. You know, and then and then yeah, whatever marketing I guess or peripherals or how they want to you know shape the narrative. But that's really as far as like gamers are concerned, um, those are the only two places where you do see collaboration between these big, uh, big houses. There's nowhere else. Am I forgetting something? It's literally just cross-platform. People want to be able to play with other people who have games on other consoles, right? That that's the biggest sticking point, I think, for the vast yeah. majority of the greater yeah. gaming audience. It's kind of it. So to see, yeah, to see, I don't know that this means much in the way of you know, like the future business relationship. It just because to me, Microsoft have something that Sony don't, which is cloud computing. Sony don't have any cloud computing products. They're not in that market at all. Microsoft are. The Azure platform has business applications um, that are just made available today across the world. Um, so Sony either tap into Microsoft, where else are they going for cloud computing? Google? Mm. They're not going to Google. Um, no. Amazon, possibly, is maybe another uh, giant that they could go to for that. I can't think of anyone else. So they're kind of... Apple, maybe? I don't know. Apple, yeah. Apple? Yeah, like like they're they're investing a lot of money into that gaming space as well. So no doubt they'll see the value and potentially exploring this avenue a little bit more detail. I'm not too up to up to date with where they are as far as from a gaming landscape, but I know that they've they've invested some money and have looked into it. It is weird. It is cool. It is cool this little step. I think I think the more tech and the more power they put into the old smartphone, you know, the the days of the traditional console and things like that will become few and far between over the coming years. When, when a when a smartphone has enough grunt to to handle, as you said, Dream, like you know, four K sixty FPS or whatever it might be, and, and uh, integrate via Bluetooth to a controller, there, there's your platform, or then you you beam your smartphone to your telly, and there's yeah. there's the gameplay on there. So mm. it's certainly way the way the world's going. As long as there's trophies, achievement systems, <laughs> we're all happy. <laughs> yeah. I, I get you. Like, I'm not squarely with you, but I get you. Yeah. Can, I, can I, as an aside, Jono, how many platinum trophies do you have now? Uh, I have 50 and I'm one trophy away from platinum. the Division 2 and Days Gone. So I'll have 52 in the next couple of weeks, hopefully, if patches uh, come through. That's massive. Massive, massive, massive. 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 It's okay. I have I have one, and that's Horizon Zero Dawn, <laughs> and I have one on the Xbox One, or on the Xbox landscape, and that was uh like Fight Night Round Two, and I just got that <laughs> by chance. That tells me that you've never played a Telltale game because they've all got like finishing the game platinum trophies. Yeah, I have actually. No, no. Well, I might maybe I have a few, but I've got them on the Xbox, so I'll just see if it's okay. different on there because you obviously they've got the gamer scores as opposed yeah. to the the bronze silver gold and then the plat so yeah but something that you are not going to be uh getting a, a platinum for in a little while now mm. is uh ubisoft's open world pirate adventure skull and bones as it has been delayed again and this is via way of matt wales at eurogamer 
Ubisoft's long-in-the-works open-world pirate adventure, Skull and Bones, has been delayed again, seemingly pushing any potential new release date beyond March next year. Skull and Bones was originally unveiled back at E3 in 2017 and was expected to launch on Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and PC sometime in 2018. Last May, however, Ubisoft announced that it had made the decision to postpone its release to the 2019 financial year, making today's announcement the second public delay for the game. Ubisoft broke news of the delay on Skull and Bones' official Twitter page, writing that, in quotes, We're going to batten down the hatches and push back on the game's arrival. This is a challenging news for us, but it's also what's needed to make Skull and Bones as awesome as it can be, end quote. My goodness, first and foremost, I could not give two flying batshits about this game um i'm i'm all about that pirate life but uh assassin's creed black flag nailed it uh sea of thieves seem to be nailing it now like i haven't been back since all these new advancements came out to said game but from what i hear it is finally a fully fleshed out pirate experience with a ton of things to do outside of just fetch quests so we'll get back and give that a look but yeah, this game seems doomed to me. What do you guys reckon? You got any skin in the Skull and Bones game? Dude. I do. I was excited for this when they announced it because I, like you mentioned, am a huge fan of Black Flag, which yeah. is my favorite Assassin's Creed game. And I'm, I'm there with you on that. Actually, yeah. maybe Odyssey's taken over it now, but Black Flag's up there. Mm. But yeah. I, I, Odyssey I has a lot of the things that Black, made Black Flag great, namely the ship battles. Yeah, but they don't feel very essential to the game to me. Mm. From what, from what I played of Odyssey, whereas that it's like kind of built around that kind of pirate life in, in Black Flag. And I, yeah, really love that game. I could have done without all the Assassin's Creediness as far as the Templars and that kind of Abstergo, all, all the stuff that kind of people were getting a bit sick of by that point in like 2014 or whenever it was. So I think when I heard about Skull and Bones, I was like, sweet, uh, Black Flag without the Assassin's Creed parts of it that sounds really cool but yeah the fact that it's been delayed a couple of times does kind of dampen that excitement quite a bit and i just don't know what it is like is there going to be a story is it going to be an online kind of game as a service sea of thieves type thing where it's about the experience rather than a narrative i don't know so i think i think um we'll have to just wait and see what they come up with i mean ubisoft don't often put out duds i don't think i think they've got a pretty good track mm. record and Delaying a game is always going to be better than putting out something that's substandard, so that's fine. Uh, I don't, I don't know what their track record is with delaying games. I know Watch Dogs got pushed back back when that was kind of in development for for quite a while, but they seem to be pretty good about hitting their targets. Do you guys remember other significant delays from those guys? Not mm. really. I think I think they're they're sort of a publisher that is very much they'll release the game when they feel it is created to the best of their potential abilities uh. um, like like watchdogs yeah the first one was all right but i think watchdogs too they certainly elevated that sort of uh hacker secret source in a big way yeah um actually now i think about that I, i'm sort of contradicting myself i slightly like, i slightly disagree <clears throat> with that only in that they did go for a very long period just re- releasing assassin's creed year after year after year after year mm. um just and, and to mixed reviews particularly for the later titles about what they're actually doing to improve on each iteration um i i think i think they are more in the habit of just pumping out games um they don't typically delay um so 
you know, maybe this is like one of a few, but I like the thing about this more, like I'm, I'm with you, Brendan, in that this doesn't bother me at all that this game's being delayed. Um, I'm certainly with you, Jono, in that it's better to just delay the game than release it and it's in poor form. If they, I, it feels like studios are going through a, like a learning experience though about, you know, what they're actually capable of achieving um because it feels like every other month we have a new delay from from somewhere and it's it's about like just managing people's expectations is is it right to um you know is it right to announce games at particular points in their development where you don't know that you can meet these delays oh sorry don't know that you can meet these deadlines that you're setting for yourselves um because this is years old now this this game and it's like yeah. well, who's who like who does it really like who does it affect if you don't go and announce it you know when you do you wait a year or two and you announce it maybe six months or 12 months out from when you actually know that you can can deliver yeah like how much hype do you need to build like all of that yeah. that's all marketing questions that i just don't know the answer to but that's yeah. where i think playstation have done well to hold off on announcing dates for you know, The Last of Us 2, Death Stranding, Ghost of Tsushima. We don't have uh, any expectation of seasonal release or monthly release. And that's probably a good thing because if they had, then there's a good chance that those dates would have been delayed or pushed back by now. Days Gone is the only example in recent history where I can yeah. think where that they have. On, that was only like a month anyway, wasn't it? Yeah, and before that, like the previous era, there was a lot of delays in PlayStation, and I think that that is when they kind of held, started to hold off on putting release dates on all their trailers and that kind of thing. So, I th- I think that that's the right tact to take, yeah. and then you, and then that enables you to do what um, you know Borderlands Three have done, and it's like boom, we're coming out in in four months, or um, mm. the old um, Fallout Four release date where the hype is at maximum level because people get announced and then it's out within six months. So that is seems to be the, from my perspective, the best way to market a game that people are anticipating. You, if it's you, something that doesn't have a following, then maybe you need a bit longer period of time to build that up. But like Apex had a fantastic launch this year mm. off the back of like two weeks notice. Yeah, um, that was a pretty rare kind of marketing ploy i think it worked really well i'm i'm very much on on the same train of thought though regarding that you don't need to hype a game for several years uh in order to to create or have this game find an audience i think that sort of shorter more focused marketing strategy is brilliant like Mm. obviously there is some some potential risks there as far as maybe pre-orders not not sort of landing where they want and things like that but i'm i'm all about it like i remember was it beyonce sort of did this sort of the first time as far as a mainstream pop culture realm where it was almost done in a tweet it's like oh and by the way this album's available right now yeah. and then obviously you two <laughs> snuck it onto all uh, apple-based <laughs> devices with their album it's a great album uh, but <laughs> i couldn't tell you i deleted songs, it off songs phone, of experience like, it's a good album it's, i'll stand by that <laughs> But but on the Ubisoft front, like it was interesting because this was the same year they announced Beyond Good and Evil Two as well. But mm. like they've handled that franchise with a lot more care than Skull and Bones because they're showing 
developer diaries and sort of a lot of behind the scenes and and here's some potential ways this game's going to go and getting the was a project space monkey i think involved where mm. you can sign up and help shape the game so maybe skull and bones was more so of a direct influence from when vivendi was still had sort of control over ubisoft and they are forcing these games to come out in that sort of yearly yearly sort of uh cycle and, and they just want to try and get as much out to the market to to maintain a better share price but now that ubisoft have got more control they're sort of staggering releases and pushing it out um from a from a date perspective to ensure the game's quality's there but i don't know it's interesting but yeah i just don't care about skull and bones like if you can be a pirate and get off the ship and and have some rpg elements where your your character can sort of evolve as a as a you know ruthless pirateer or i don't know a nice pirate i don't know how you want to describe it but from all i hear it's just ship combat like it's just naval battles from all i hear and that could be cool but i think that'll probably run its course very quickly Hmm. yeah if it's just the third person Hmm. version of of uh sea of thieves then it's not adding much to the experience that people probably haven't had before if that's an xbox or a pc yeah but we'll see like uh yeah was meant to be out 2018 now it's looking like it's coming out sometime in uh 2020 so uh let's see what happens with skull and bones Mm, could be next gen yes yes. (laughs) could be a launch title launch title skull and bones which could make it sell really well (laughs) 8k yeah it's just like a pack-in title something like that i miss pack-ins i miss when you buy a console and you get games Mm. for free at launch and things i thought that was great alex kid yes that was genius, you know, just <laughs> literally bundled into the console. <laughs> yeah. I played that at, I played that at PAX last year. <laughs> Alex Kidd. It's, it's it's not good. Yeah. I just I just <laughs> love in that game that you win battles by scissors paper rock. That I think that's the sequel, isn't it? On the Yeah. Yeah. That was in the Sega Master System too. That was the one dug in on there, like embedded in the console. Okay, sure. Yeah. But uh Crazy. the next bit of news, which I'm excited to talk about because I've been Looking forward to getting back into this world. Uh, Red Dead Online marks end of beta with poker and gold for all. This comes via way of Emma Kent at Eurogamer. Wow, that was quick. Shortly after Take-Two announced the Red Dead Online beta would end, within the next two months, it's happened. The game is leaving beta today, and that was as of yesterday, uh, which was Saturday the 18th of May, and is celebrating with a major new content update that introduces new co-op missions, expands free roam, and importantly, adds poker. You'll never adventure outside this gambling room again. In Rockstar's update post, the developer thanked everyone who participated during the beta period. Your feedback has been instrumental in helping us fine-tune the game so far with many of your suggestions implemented in today's update. And we will continue to implement more of your feedback in future updates to come, end quote. So what's in this one? Alongside an overhaul of the hostility system to reduce griefing, which we already knew about, players can expect to see expansions to the Jessica Leclerc story campaign with both honorable and dishonorable missions. On the good path, players battle the Del Lobos gang and help Tom Davies save Valentine, while the path of evil leads to a high-ray robbery and bank theft. Either way, you wind up at Blackwater with a dangerous adversary. I don't know what that says about morality. In the free roam department, Rockstar has added characters from the story of Red Dead Redemption 2, along with new mission types such as Destroy, Jailbreak, and Stolen Wagon. The dubious characters in question include Thomas the Skiff Captain and and the Aberdeen Pig Farmers. Importantly, dynamic events are now a thing, meaning you can stumble across the kind of random encounters found in Red Dead story mode. Can't wait to suck venom out of someone's foot again 
Although at least in online, I'll be able to get cash, gold, or XP for it as well as honor. End article. Heck Great. yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. This is something that I was asking for. Like from the days of actually playing the single player, I was always saying, I just can't wait to play poker with my friends online, trash talk, mm. put on a Southern accent, whatever it is. Like that is what I was looking forward to. So even though I've uninstalled Red Dead, I'm going to have to load it back up again and, and, and jump into the, the chair for some poker, I think. Yeah, let's um like we had a bit of a chat about this a couple of days ago in in some Facebook. Uh but yeah, let's let's do like a poker tourney. We'll we'll, we'll jump on assume our characters and yep. we'll do like a proper <laughs> tournament and cut it together for a video because I think it could be pretty damn fun. I I really liked my time with Red Dead Online, but I fell away from it really quick and mm. I think a lot of people did too because there just wasn't a huge amount to do once yeah. you finish that first wave of Leclerc mich- uh, Leclerc missions. So I'm excited to go back and finish that. I'm, I'm liking the dynamic events, the poker, the the hostility system that can eliminate some of that griefing because that was a real pain in the ass. You know, just getting yeah. spawn killed over and over and over and over and over by some wanker is not fun. With a violent so, rifle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But heck yeah, I'm keen. I actually have to reinstall it myself. So It's a yeah. big install. It, it, just, it was too big to just sit there when I wasn't playing it. But mm-hmm. I knew this day would come, I guess. It, it is good to see that they've added quite a bit of stuff to it hopefully hopefully it's enough to actually get people back in because it just seemed to die so quickly like you said and seeing what happened with gta online where that took a really long time but then it just became massive i really think that if they continue to make this campaign as as a multiplayer campaign more close to what we experienced in the single player and making it feel that same sense of you know freedom and immersion i think that adding friends to that is is going to be huge and i just yeah i think that that is what they need to do to get people back in especially as we were talking before we started recording there's a bit of a lull in triple a games coming up where yeah we don't really have so much until the, all those third party games start dropping in september so this could be the the time i don't know if they did that on purpose or not but this could be the timing window they need to bring people back in and build up a bit of a reputation for the online side of it for sure hey dream are you going to uh bring your shirtless wonder character to uh (laughs) sort of uh red dead online sort of take that bowie knife out again and just sort of stab 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 are you you coming coming on this journey i certainly am um i uh i didn't play all that much of online to be honest i think i did just the intro missions Mm. um from memory my character is uh like toothless yeah he's, he's toothless i think and he is i just made him like as close to the like the big o from of, of mice and men played by oh what's his name fuck john malkovich i made him look as <laughs> like as ofi as i could as john malkovich's character in of mice and men yeah so anyway uh yeah. that's 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 as much as I can remember. I don't think I've got any money to gamble with in in Red Dead Online. I'm gonna have to get uh, get cracking. Um, we'll have one dollar buy-in. It's okay. You can, all right, that's that's enough for me, mate. I'll make it work. <laughs> the good thing is, I think even if you've booted up Red Dead Online once, now going back into it, the amount of sort of hmm. gold handouts and and sort of monetary thank yous that they've dished out over the last six months, you probably have a pretty fat stack of cash. 
Yeah, you'll have some interest. Really? Interesting. All right, I'll, I'll go and check it out. Um, this, this can only be fun. That's, there's, I mean, as little as I've actually played of it, knowing what they did with GTA 5, looking at everything we're seeing here. And then also, you can just imagine what's roadmap for the future. Like, this, this will be fantastic. I'm, I'm very excited to jump into this. We should do this this week. I'm down. I'm yeah. I'm still holding out hope for when they bring out the eventual being able to to purchase a business and and you know run whether it be a pig farm or or run the saloon or the barbershop or the the gun store like I want to I want to run a saloon like uh, Al Swearingen in Deadwood. I I want the saloon experience. I want to have someone playing the the old piano and you know <laughs> dances in the corner and, and bar fights left right and center that that's what i want i just want to run my own bar and uh yeah just just enjoy that uh wild west life looking at what they've been able to do with gta with those role play servers it doesn't sound that crazy that's potential for for that kind of thing as well whether it mm. might just be on pc but it's possible yeah yeah there's um i was reading an article i think it was on kotaku the other day about a few um, gangs, quote unquote, that actually already do it just in standard Red Dead Online. Mm. And they've got, I think they've got about a hundred members across platforms. And I was, I was sort of reading uh, this, this gentleman's experience from Kotaku with it, where they ride into town, you know, sort of in sort of lines of two, you know, 30, 40 of them all dressed in the same sort of outfit, all coming in to buy their supplies. They all use this same abandoned house as their, as their hideout. And they, get together and plan things and heists and whatever else. And it's it's really cool. And, and seeing that translate to that full role-play realm would be a ton of fun. Mm. Mm. I, I just kind of casually mentioned PC, but do you think this game's going to get released on PC now that they've kind of got a way to make a lot more money out of the online side of it? They'd be silly not to, right? Like people people would lap this up on on pc uh especially on if they can translate this to the role play server which is one of the i think one yeah. of the main you know water cooler topics that are going around the game space everyone's all about it you see everybody jumping into gta rp at the moment and yeah. living out their uh grand theft auto character fantasies so uh yeah chuck that in the wild west and see what happens i think it took about 18 months to hit online uh sorry to hit pc for mm. gta 5 so it's quite possible that maybe this time next year it'll be on the cards can't wait but let's uh let's get this poker poker going this week yeah i'm gonna get the download going the second we get off oh, this man. podcast I'll have, to, so. I'll have to delete a bunch of stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it's what 90 gig 90 gig yeah. if i remember right i've got the the baseline ps4 so it's a <laughs> uh, it's always a stretch <laughs> yeah yeah so so that has been episode 151 of the hungry gamers podcast is there anything either of you fine gentlemen want to say or add or plug before we uh close up this bad boy for another week might just throw out the latest putting in work episode is up with an interview featuring chase williams formerly a uh producer over at sony santa monica working with uh some of those playstation exclusives as a producer so you get to find out what that means he's now over at inno games in hamburg germany they're the team behind tribal wars uh one of the biggest mobile franchises out there so really interesting guy there and some great insights into kind of the the sony playstation culture and uh business thinking i think so check that out 
Sounds like a damn good listen. What about you, Dream? What do you got to say? Um, I hail ScoMo, our new fearless leader. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing, nothing big uh, other than uh, thank you again for for anyone who got us into the Ozpod Awards as a finalist, and uh, and congratulations again to Pixel Sift. And Jono, thanks for for joining us, mate. It's bloody good to be on another podcast with you. It feels like it's been a minute. Thank mm-hmm. you for having me. Mate, the door is always open. And uh, if it is closed, just open it and come on in. All right. <laughs> it's, that, it's that simple. Uh, one, one last thing I want to say I'm excited about is uh, I am going to be buying an Oculus Quest this week. So that is the, uh, the new Oculus Rift gaming VR headsets, completely wireless, completely PC free. Uh, mm. Comes out on May the 21st. So I'm uh, going to be putting my order in and I cannot wait to play Beat Saber and everything else. All done wirelessly, all done, you know, uh, regardless of additional hardware needed. So uh, get keen. Uh, I think they started about 600 bucks, but uh, full premium VR wireless experience with, I think, 60 games available at launch, if I remember right, somewhere around then. So they've got a, got a good amount of games to uh, keep you occupied for now until the future. So mm. uh, heck yes. We're going to get some Let's Plays or something with that? I think we need to. We need to. Mm. Rach and I were talking about doing a bit more VR stuff. So uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll tackle that. I just need to work out um, as far as data transmission wirelessly, uh, how it's going to go into OBS. But uh, yeah, where there's a will, there's a way. Sounds good. But yeah. And I guess we can plug the 8-bit YouTube. We've got Brendan's Rage 2 review going up soon. Some days go on videos there. And uh, of course, Sammy Deej is always plugging away at the reviews too yeah he's just uh dropped his sort of impressions on uh life is strange episode two from uh season two so Mm -hmm. uh that is available on there too so there's plenty of video content to uh whet the appetite until we release a little bit more later this week but yeah days gone rage two life is strange two plenty of content there to uh keep you occupied in between listening to podcasts yes this has been episode 151 of the hunger games podcast Thank you to our fantastic sponsor, Audio Technica, for always providing us the best in audio equipment. We're talking headphones, microphones, gaming headsets, turntables, and some of the sexiest streetwear around. Uh, if you're looking for sexy streetwear, also head on over to weare8bit.storeenvy.com to uh, shop our brand new store on there. We even just had tracksuit pants rock up Ooh. onto the store so we can get tracky decks on the store. We're8bit.storeenvy.com for all that. But until next week, where we're going to be back at you for episode 151, I have been Brandon, this has been Jono, and that has also been Salim the Dream. Much love, 8-Bit Nation. Stay hungry. You've been listening to The Hungry Gamers, one of many gaming and geek culture-related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry. Stay hungry.